podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Crunchy Bars. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Delicious and convenient, both their toasted almond and lemon almond flavors have two grams of net carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein, all in a satisfying crunch. Interested? Ratio keto-friendly bars are now available in the granola bar aisle at Walmart. Yes, yes, it's Jesse and James, uh, Chessie Hour, another week, but we have real games now to actually watch. This week I'm joined with Meads. What's going on, peeps, you alright? What's going on, and Dan Soft. What's up? It's a lot quieter this week, it's a lot quieter, so... Um, we might not be speaking over each other so much when it comes to the striker discussion. But, yes, a lot can change in four days. Mm-hmm. Um, two games into the season proper. Um, but firstly, before we get into any of that, how was the live event? The live show was amazing. Um, turnout was unreal. We sold out, um, which is great. Um, the feedback was good as well. Um, every other question that we had in terms of listeners' questions, people kept saying, oh, well, big up, but touchline, big up, touchline, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, it was good. It was good, man. Can't complain. We're looking to do another one soonish. Dates will be out soon, but yeah, yeah. can't wait. And, and there were some people that couldn't get in because they didn't buy tickets. So, if you want to get tickets, when the tickets get released, don't waste time. Go get, yeah, go get them soon. Cause we, we, we ate quite a bit on the door still. See, Mariah, I told you, like, mm-hmm. it's tax. <laughs> so we ate well on the door so yeah can't complain man can't complain cool good to hear um and next one i'm actually gonna try and make sure that i'm i'm able to roll through but yeah so what a difference four days makes before we come out with a zoom out and and a bit of perspective <laughs> and content um because we're able to now because it's not disaster zone but let's just go back to monday morning yeah. means you woke up after a after a, a pumping, yeah, or nil at Old Trafford means. What were you? What was your outlook on the rest of our season after after that first Premier League opener? Um, uh, I'm trying to look take it away from the bias of yesterday. So Monday, I woke up thinking, oh dear Lampard. I really hope that you learn from your mistake. The override, the overriding feeling was Lampard. Please learn from this more than anything else, because I thought that it would be doom and gloom if Lampard didn't take that 4-0 hit and not learn from it and just stick to doing the same thing and making the same mistakes. I think when he was appointed, um, one thing that we did credit Lampard was he wasn't afraid to change certain things and he was less stubborn and rigid. Um, And I guess he showed that again, um, but we'll touch on that later on. I thought the game itself... It wasn't a 4-0 game. It wasn't a terrible performance from Chelsea, but serious individual errors cost us big time. And I think this there's this thing with the Chelsea players where when one goes in, we just can't recover. Um, well, particularly in that game anyway. Um, it's definitely something we saw last season. Yeah, something we saw last season. Saw under Jose as well. Saw under Conte in the second season. It's just, it's just one of those things that when a goal goes in, our heads drop entirely and we just capitulate. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a funny game. It was a strange game, but it was a game that 
we kind of all called. I think before last on the last pod we kind of said um basically if we play this four two three one and we've got Mason Mount that's doing the significant pressing and the high level pressing, then all it takes is a couple one twos and then they're onto us. And Rashford and Marshall will be a massive danger on the counter attack. And that's kind of what happened. So it was a bit of doom and gloom, um, but that was more about me thinking, okay, Lampard might actually learn. Because if you yes, don't Lampard, the, the persistence is, is what worried me a little bit. So, like you said, even if anyone wants to go back to the week before, and even the week before that, you said it yeah. was individual errors, but I mean, some of them were so obviously structural for me. When you look yep. at Salzburg chances we conceded, when you look at the uh, where there was 10 shots on target. So we even touched there about how much of a red flag that was against Premier League quality. Yep. I think we even name-checked Rashford because we were looking at that first game and, and being a bit concerned. Dan, were you not a bit um, pessimistic come Monday that despite these things being so obvious, if they're obvious to us, they're obvious to a coaching staff, there was persistence with the exact same shape, the exact same game plan, um, and much the same to personnel. Man, I, I guess coming off of a season with Sari, I just didn't expect um, him to change to a 4-3-3. In pre-season, we've only seen 4-2-3-1, I think, and the Diamond 4-4-2. And so, after coming off that slapping, I, I didn't anticipate it would be a new formation altogether, or like a revert to the Sari formation. But I was fuming after that game. Just because a lot of people say that we were unlucky, but I, I don't think it's unlucky when you're making your own mistakes. That's that's part I of the agree. reason. Yeah, I, that's part of the reason you lose. And when you're not converting chances, that's not unlucky. That's just you're not good in attack or you're not good in defence. Or we, I, I was fuming basically because of the David Luiz situation. And a lot of people are saying, "Rah, what can Lampard do?" But I feel like that's part of his job, man management. You've got to be able to yeah. reassure players. Like, right. You've got to be able to reassure players that you're wanted and that you're useful to the team. And yeah. similar with Batshuayi, I don't know what the game plan is with Bats, but and I know James is kind of taking delight in what's going on. And it's weird to me that you're taking delight in it. Not even delight. We're gonna get onto it. Ah, yeah, 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 I'm yeah. aware that it's me and the Bats fan club this yeah, week. Yeah, 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 so yeah. Yeah, we're definitely we're gonna, gonna get into that, that definitely. Right, cool. It's not delight. Well, you need, to, um, you need to answer I'm happy it. that we're giving an academy guy such a long leash. So, uh, so my, yeah, go on. as I've said, as we know that Abraham was not my, he's third in my pecking order. I'm just happy that my first choice is coming to a team, one start, one start. <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> I mean, got, you got into it just bit, then. You got into it a little Hold on, we'll get into hot, well, listen, Bats is going to get his time. Don't worry okay, about cool. that. But you touched a little bit there on... Yeah, we, so, we don't need to sort of waste time with the, the United game in in uh, detail. It was an absolute pump here. Right. So, um, 4-0, I think the biggest opening day defeat that Chelsea have had in the Premier League era. Yeah, but yeah. We, we alluded now, he's he's done what I will admit was surprised by in that he's had a bit of humble pie. I didn't have him down as that sort of guy. I don't want to be maybe rude and say ego, but I would have predicted him sticking with it. Mm. Um, as it was so clearly his preference in pre-season. What we ended up going with last night in the Super Cup against Liverpool was something that we saw in pre-season for about 25 minutes yes, in total. that's the surprising so, thing. With, with, uh, you touched on Louise. I want to start from the back when we, when we take the two games in perspective. Now that we're much clearly um, more, more willing to, to drop deep against bigger opponents, to to keep the pressing and keep the combinations, but in a much, much more lower engagement line. Are we still as concerned about the centre-back situation now that they are, we, we can assume, not going to be exposed as badly as they were on Sunday for the whole rest of the season? Um, so, for me, my, again, so I'm just going to touch on United again, just briefly, because um, it, it leads into this. So, why I was saying that Ross Barkley should play is because I felt that because of his instincts generally. But he did play and he was awful. No, 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 I, no, no. I mean, play in that number ten role. Um, when I'm talking about Barkley playing, I wouldn't ever like him on the left was a nonsense decision. Do you uh, see that? Just a quick one. Do you see that? Because I did. Maybe I'm wrong. 
I saw that as another little failure of man management where he couldn't I, decide which informed ten I to play. So oh, well, do, do you know what I thought? I thought that that was not just man management. That was just a failure in terms of seeing what happened in preseason because yeah. we all know Barkley in different positions. The reason why Barkley was performing well, well, what we can assume is that he's playing that number ten role. He's playing yep. forward. He's not, and then Mount he hasn't act- got as much responsibility right. and structure and exactly. Yeah. And Mount in preseason played well everywhere. So if anyone needed to play number ten, it was Barkley. But and I if think- anyone had to be moved around, it would Mason Mount. And, exactly. But he forced it because Mount was playing ten at Derby. So yeah. I think that was a failure from him. So potentially another lesson if we look at uh, Liverpool. But yeah, just going back to the centre backs, Mids, you're talking about the general press and the exposure. Exactly. So in terms of Mason Mount playing, um, I. I love his intensity. He's very, very intense. He's hard-working. But the problem is, he is the initiator of our press when he plays, when he starts, anyway, um, from that number 10 role. And what happens is, once you beat that press, your midfield is exposed. And when you've got a three versus two in midfield, all it takes is a one-two, and then they're into our back four. And when our back four, especially Zuma, Mm. who isn't the most confident at this moment in time, (laughs) looks quite shaky... But when you're onto us, we look very, very fra- fragile. And that's not even to take into consideration into consideration Aspilicueta either, um, mm. who's been diabolical. Don't worry, we're doing the eulogy at the end. So it's just it's just a bit it's a it's um so now with this midfield free, if this is what we're gonna stick to, um I'm far more confident. Um and that's why when you asked the question last week, oh, what do United need to do to win I mean what do Chelsea need to do to win the game with United? I say play Barkley the number 10 was this reason we but going to, to the centre backs you, you mentioned how it is just a 1-2 and they're through yeah are we are we less terrified about a season of maybe mix and match because who knows it might take Christensen and Rudiger a bit of time to, yeah. to settle in it might Christensen and Zuma might need yeah. that time we don't know if they might try Rudiger and Zuma we don't know yet yeah. so do you are you more confident in that centre back three and four with Tomori who got his minutes now that we're um, retreating a little bit yeah. are we good enough to be playing like that or are we still looking at how Firmino had an amazing 15 minute second half a bit concerned about the personnel there no no um, to be honest with that with the personnel I'm, I'm comfortable with um, I think Rudiger coming in I think he'd come in for Zuma um, I'm, I'm, I like our left back situation right now um, it's just Aspilicueta as a, a in, just one individual in our back line mm-hmm. that I'm quite worried about. You said individual, um, but in terms of quality, in terms of quality, I think we've got the quality in the squad there to handle that situation. You mentioned you Zuma being shaky, and obviously we, there is the caveat of this four-two-three-one or four, even a four-two-four is half the time yeah. when we when we go forward. But are, are we all a bit surprised, Dan, about how his form's been? I mean, we all, if I remember right, at least three or four out of the five of us were quite happy for Zuma to start. There was that yeah. famous viral clip of Mourinho, Zuma, you don't need to buy Zuma. <laughs> What's this adjustment? Are we as surprised as I am with this? Um, I, I said on the pod that my main thing was that David Luiz was starting. I didn't really care about the rest of them. So Zuma... <laughs> I I didn't realize he was this. I, a lot of people said it, but I didn't realize he was this bad in terms of this confidence in terms of playing out. Zuma does a thing where he'll get the ball, he'll pretend he's about to play a progressive pass, then he'll just turn back and pass to who he got it from. Like he's not confident on the ball whatsoever. And even though he's playing a deep block yesterday, yesterday, so against Liverpool, um, I still feel like he looks shaky, and I still feel like teams can target him. I feel like you can get onto him. So. I, Can I just say one thing though, yeah. in his defence? So in his defence, I'm still not happy with the fact that Zuma's playing at left centre-back and Chris Jensen's playing on right centre-back. Like, can we just... like We're going to go into this 100%. Mm. Before you continue, can anyone think of a reason why Zuma on the left is a better idea? I didn't watch him as closely as Evan and Stoke. I can't even lie. But at Chelsea prior, he was always on the right-hand side. What would the rationale be for him being on the left. I don't understand it. I don't get it. All I can think I... of is that David Luiz was playing left and Christensen was playing right. And so Zoom is coming for Luiz. That's, mm. that's all but I can think of. such a glaring... Such... Like, it's crazy. I like, he can't open up onto his left. So exactly. he, he cuts off two-thirds of the pitch every time he gets the ball. Like, exactly. Yeah. 
And then as a result, he's under pressure because he's already seeing a less of the picture because he can't open himself up. Whereas Chris Jensen is far more comfortable in doing that. So why it just it baffles me. It does baffle the life out of me. It's a simple adjustment that will make so much more sense. Zuma will be far more comfortable on the ball. That's not to say he's going to be exceptional on the ball, because I don't think that's that's his game. But I think he'll be far more comfortable and thus we'll have far less pressure on our defence. Yeah, it's so it's just so, so going to that pressure on defence, Dan, we looked at a lot more stable, looked more secure. It was partially down to this this change in shape, but it was also partially down to to the return of, of someone from injury. Um, Golo Kante being proving again he's worth every shilling of that squad leading contract. Um, and for morale, he's probably the best man to have as the highest earner at your club because I can't imagine anyone in the dressing room ever being able to be mad at him. So that's, yeah. a, that's I don't know if that's why they've done it, but it's a good thinking as well. Um, talk about the impact that Kante had on that performance, not just defensively but all round but man it, it was almost like do you remember the Barcelona performances he had he had for us um he mm-hmm. was he, but yeah, the, draw. yeah the good thing about his game and I think that sometimes he gets critic criticized for not being technically good but no one complain can complain like from watching it yesterday you could see not only was he winning the ball but then he was taking people on confidently taking his time nutmegging people setting up attacks and he was everywhere so I don't know, it was it was good to see it because even we were saying in the pod, he shouldn't be rushed back in, he should have to earn his place back in, but after one performance you can't like it's already his. Like he's he's been amazing. So And it's great to see obviously now that we're rid of that wanker sorry, someone playing him in his proper position, right? <laughs> yeah, man. I, I think I, I told you guys in the chat, like even the graphic for BT Sport at the beginning of the game, they put him in the middle, like in the Jorginho position. That's how much, like, there's this force. See, that agenda is disgusting. It's, like, it's, it's so worse strong. than Joe and Jorginho. It's so like, shameless. Because he's not even here. But it's... We even talk, like, it's, it is it is a race thing. I swear to God. He, yeah. Because he's because he's got no trim and is from Mali and he's French-speaking and mm. because they think he's a DM, he can't have anything about him going forward. That, I swear Bro. it's ingrained in people like Bro, that. they just... They see a short black cute with a bald head and they think his name is Makalele, bruv. That's what it is. And That's what it is. It's a madness. But what gets me the most is they'll watch that performance and they still won't be happy. They'll still be like, put him back. Like, so it's not it's not determined by what happens on the pitch. They just feel more comfortable with him there. Like, for no the reason. The crazy thing is, Kante himself has said, I enjoy playing there. He said he, he enjoys yeah. playing there. This is what he, he, he likes it. Well, I'm pretty sure Kante is on record as crediting Sari uh, with with having improved. Maybe not technically; it's not it's not a video game, or whatever. But mm. he definitely looks a lot more sure of himself and knowing his limitations, yeah. knowing what passes are in his locker, walking into blind alleys a lot less. Maybe just having a bit more vision. He he looks yeah. a better looks player. A better or is that player. just me? He looks a much better player. And I just I remember a moment where he he was bombing down the right side. He cuts in. And he sees Emerson coming, in, creeping into the box. Left peg, drilled it mm. straight to him. I was like, "Oh my god!" But you, what a baller! You, he's, he's too much. The worst, much. the worst thing is he has had those passes in him, and so like Absolutely. we, yeah. And so when we've been trying to tell people, people just don't believe it because I feel like they watch certain games, big games, and then maybe they just watch one game every like five games to Chelsea. And then do you know what it is? It, it, uh, yeah, go on. Do you know what it is? I think it's that when Kante first came, he wasn't tasked with doing that kind of thing. Mm. He was always tasked with breaking things up and keeping things simple and obviously getting us up the pitch if he can, but then just doing a simple layoff. So when you see in the odd game that he does a sprayer, like a 40-yard spray mm. or you know a crossfield pass, when you say that, oh, what? he actually can do it, and people are like, what? No, he can't. No, he yeah. can't. Because they're not watching the game. They're not seeing what we see. That's they're the not thing. seeing him every single week. Right. You know what I mean? So him being able to do those drills and those passes, it's always been there. But the frequency of him doing it, and obviously him having the confidence to do it now because his manager actually say that, okay, when it's necessary, you should, you should pop these passes off. Yeah. He does it. You know what I mean? I think... I feel, the boy, he's just too much, man. Kante is too so much. Good. And I he think, looks, um, we saw extra time probably the first time I've ever seen Kante actually 
not be able to run anymore, which is understandable considering he had 20 minutes yeah. of preseason Bro. and he's straight back into 120 minutes in August, which, by the way, scheduling-wise, that's mad. It needs to go to penalties. But anyway, mm. is there maybe a concern that, considering his qualities, considering how good he looked, obviously not match fit, considering the difference he made to the team, is there a concern that coaching staff could see that and be like, ah, oh, well, maybe if we just try the 4-2-3-1 with him next to Jorginho, and would that mm. work? Or is that... That would be fair. That would be a big fear. I, what, um, I think, no, no. I think quickly. I don't think that's a fear of mine, just because I would like to see it as well. I don't think. Um, I, I, I think it will be bad if they just persist with it, regardless. But it's good to see um, our team in different formations with different players, just to see what it's like. But if they just stick with it, regardless, even if the four-three-three turns out better, then that's what my fear. Is it? Um, or could we be looking at just our two ways to play? Maybe away in Europe against the bottom ten, against the top ten. Are we just looking like that will be our two ways, or do you reckon this is just it now? Like, yeah, no, we've decided Jorginho and Kante and Kovacic or Mount or Barkley or whoever fit better in this three. It seems to suit the squad better apart from Mount, or am I guessing? No, I, I think it seems to suit the squad better, but I do think that Mason Mount has the capacity to play. Left wing, he has the capacity to play left centre midfield. Mm. He has the capacity to play everywhere, pretty much. So I, I don't think it won't suit him. Yeah. Would it get necessarily get the best out of him? Uh, that remains to be seen. I think he could be a decent offensive weapon from the left uh, left side of midfield. Right. Um. So and tactically, his application when he came on at left mid yesterday, as in left wing, exceptional. He was fantastic, and he was clearly he was clearly tasked with just defending up there and adding some incisiveness out there. He had a great effort late on, which which Tammy laid on for him, which was just needed to be a little bit wider, but that could really yeah. change things. And he was good. Okay, maybe he hasn't got the pace to play there in a game as stretched as that, but yeah, it, it was versatile. I think talking about how disaster struck we all must have felt on the on the Monday. I mean, I told you so. Struck for us lot, but generally. On the Monday morning, it wasn't a good feeling. There's there's a lot of positives to have come out of last night, despite obviously losing on penalties, which a lot of us called and just seems the way it goes at the moment, like with City in February uh, in the League Cup final. But Mount was one of the positives. We touched on him a little bit, but Emerson Palmieri is just looking like a snip of business considering what fullbacks are going for at the moment. How has he absolutely put this run of form together after coming back from an ACL seemingly without problems? Brother, listen. Uh, yeah. I want to say a big shout out to a certain individual that said that this year wasn't a, an upgrade mm. on what we have already. I want to big him up because, yeah, RIP in it. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's just a quick one. Emerson Palmieri, yeah, the U is so cold. Like, and it's not even like, this ain't an overreaction. I think offensively, he brings so much dynamism that we've lacked for so long. Bro, do you know how long it's been like, since I've seen a left-back overlap? Like, I've been tired of seeing Alonso underlapping, 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 giving you no option. Bruv, I've been tired. Emerson, he's quick, and he's solid defensively as well. I think a lot of people are having question marks of his defensive acumen, but he's actually solid defensively. Your open league final, he's a double team pretty much the whole of the first half, dealing yep. with a mad amount of width. Yep. And it was, if it wasn't for Hazard and Giroud just having a masterclass towards the end and pumping them, he was my man of the match in that game. Yeah, I'd go as far as saying as good as I think um, Jorginho, Pulisic and a few others were last night. I think he was my man of the match last night. Mm. Um, he's class. He's, he's absolutely class. I know Touchline Frackers loves a, loves a hot take. So is there actually any of the top six that he wouldn't be in contention to start for? I think he gets in. Other than Liverpool, I think he gets in everywhere else. See, I was going to say City as well, but I didn't want to deal with the backlash. But yeah, but I'm thinking Mendy's a crock. Zinchenko is Mendy's quality, but he's not. He's not thingy. Mendy's quality, but he's not. He's not left. He's not. He's not fit. And then I look at um, Zinchenko. He's not left back. So who's that other option? A big positive to come out of last night, 100%, was Emerson. Moving down the wing um, to his to his uh, partner in a lot of combinations last night. I know 
I know Dan's got big eyes set on a on a certain young winner next season. I know that we're all on the Hudson Adoy chain train. Mm. But Pulisic, has he has he surprised anyone of how big he showed up last night? One goal really, really tightly ruled out for offside. Yeah. Quality pass for Giroud in a central area, which I'll be honest, I didn't have him down as being that good. Really, really lovely little pass in between Matip and Van Dijk. Um, has he surprised anyone or is this just the level we should be expecting for the rest of the season, Dan? I, I don't think he surprised me personally. I've, I feel like he's got this in his locker, but I don't I don't think he played that great yesterday. Um, I'm not I don't have an agenda against Pulisic. I think I think he did he had good moments. I, that's the thing with Pulisic. I feel like he pops up and has good moments rather than an ever present uh, like an ever present threat. Um, I feel like he's good in combinations. I did see him for America have that kind of slide passing him, but I feel like I don't know. I just feel like he's not ever present. Do you know, like, if you if you think about the game, it wasn't that Pulisic was, like, a threat all game, but then he'd pop up and do something. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which, yeah. which is why I'm not... Whenever I do formations of who I think should play, I don't always put him there. Is but, that not reflective of a lot of wide players, though? Because they're mm. not central to the game. It is about moments. Mm. Yeah, and I also think it's about getting the ball to him. I don't think that he was necessarily receiving the ball all the time. But it, it came um, down that left think, quite a lot, though. No, but I think that in terms of like, offensive situations, I don't think he was getting the ball enough. Um, no, I, don't, I genuinely don't think he was getting the ball enough. And when he did get it, he would kind of burst into life. Let me ask you this, then. If hudson Odoi is playing, you know that he, on that left side specifically, you know he's doing more than, than Pulisic. A million percent. Yeah, a million percent. This is my thing. I just feel like with Pulisic, I I, I feel like he's there's something tame about him often, but then he will spring yeah, into I, life. I think I, I think he's quite passive. Um, but I think okay. Well, let me let me let me just backtrack a bit. I think he is he's not when when you say an ever presence in the game. I think he is passive for the most part. But then he bursts into life in some instances. Yeah, I agree. Um, whereas a player like Hudson Odoi is consistent. Like he is very, very aggy, and it's just the nature of his game anyway. Especially on the left hand side, yeah. very aggressive and direct. Pulisic is a bit of a hybrid. I wouldn't say he's a direct player, but he has a capacity to be direct. If you get what I mean. Yeah. So I guess I I think that's what uh, that's why he's not an ever present type of player. Enough because. He's One thing, though, these American youths all look about 10 years older than a, than they are. Like, we're forgetting he's, he's not yet 21. He's 21 in about a month. Are yeah. we are we seeing someone who has a massive ceiling or are we seeing someone that uh, they might be where they are because of the amount of professional football that they've played and, and this is kind of our lot and there'll be a, a threat and a weapon tactically I, but never I, quite kick on? I think that his mentality is superb and I think that he can get better as a player. And I, I really think that he's finishing... Even though he hasn't scored that many goals, he seems like a cool, calm like character in terms of pressure. Like yeah. he keeps a cool head. Um, and another thing is, I think that okay with Hudson Odoi, Hudson Odoi will stay out on a wing, making it easier for him to get the ball. Whereas Pulisic likes to come inside and mix it. So, yeah. so that's why he's not always taking people on. Um, but I think he's a good player to have in our squad. I honestly do. Yeah, he's definitely a good squad option. Will he grow into a starter? I'm not entirely sure. Um, but he definitely has quality. Yeah. He definitely brings quality to the squad. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not too sad. Of, like when I when we initially bought him, I was quite annoyed, and that's because I was thinking about the ramifications that it had on Hudson Odoi. But now I'm just thinking, you know what? It's not too bad. Pedro place. helps. The age of William helps. Yeah. William, I have now without Luigi in the squad helps hundred yeah. percent. Moving all from Madame, all things yeah. considered, it's a it's an okay sign. I think yeah, I think it fits with the profile. I think it adds some upside and and long term. He, I don't think he's someone whose value is we, he was expensive, but I think there'll be a lot of takers if if it doesn't work out in a year and a half, two years. But I, th- I think he could be a really big piece. Moving and from um, quickly, quickly, just, just quickly, and, uh, on, huh? just quickly on Mount on the left as well. Um, yeah. I know we're dialing back to that. No, very five different ago. threat, but yeah. But what I was going to say is that one thing I like about Mount on the left is that if you look at City, a lot of their midfielders have played wide too. So like KDB played wide. Uh, yep. Bernardo Silva does so I think that's it's good for Mount to be an option on that left too 
uh, even for the midfield, because when a midfielder goes left, like the midfielders don't just say st- stay central. So when they go wide, they need a little bit of acumen. I know like Loftus Cheek got that at Crystal Palace. So yeah, who who was running the Twitter last few days? Because I saw someone put an eleven with Loftus on the right playing. That made me forward. sick, you know. That made me sick. Someone got gassed. Was it you? Yeah, it was me. Well, it was me. Well, it was me. It wasn't really right though. But like, the thing is, I want Loftus to play. I didn't. I didn't call him a winger. I didn't. I don't want hey, him to play wing. No, winger. Someone put this team with Loftus on the right, and someone. And, said, oh, I'm sorry. He didn't put you him on the right. He didn't put. He didn't put him on the right. He just said like basically he's part of that attack, so free roll. Ugh. Nah, I don't know about that. But anyway, yeah. moving on. <laughs> there was a lot of positives last night. Jorginho started the season really strong. Emerson and Pulisic are, are really just showing up and, and emerging as players. Kepa, I think, showed a lot of leadership quality. Some of the reaction saves for him. I think he's really improving. He, he had a little bit of an adjustment period last season. But I think there'll always be a slight limitation maybe in his height and, and yeah. some of his catching. I think his distribution's okay. But the reflexes on him is unreal. He seems yeah. a really central part of the dressing room. A um, lot of positives, a lot of positives. So I do want to just dial it down and we need to just establish how the age 29 has hit our alleged captain like a brick. Right. What the... This is... A, this is a, he wasn't good last year, okay? He wasn't amazing, but this is as stark a decline in a defender. It was only four years ago, three years ago that... People were calling him the best natural defender in the league, but Cesare Spilicueta is looking shot to pieces. Like, like in in the group chat, in the in the Sasha Franks group chat, I was accused of being a scape, like loving to find a scapegoat at Chelsea. But the problem is when you can clearly identify a problem area in your side, then clearly if they make a mistake. Which is very costly because Aspilicueta has made costly mistakes this season already at fault, in my opinion. If not at fault, involved in defensive lapses that have caused us to um, concede goals. Well, as, as recent as last night, he sort of thrown the ball at uh, uh, someone on the right hand side when they yeah. were crowded out by two Liverpool players, gone for the overlap for terribly reading the game. And then we've got right. our number situation of Firmino and, and Mane dealing with Tamori and, and um, Jorginho. Yeah. That was the most recent one. United, he looked absolutely incapable of tracking any runner uh, yeah. for a ball over the top. And it's not just the it's not just the attacking thing. I think when I mention this to people, they think I'm having a go because he's not this sexy wing-back who can do everything. It's yeah. not crosses. It's not the lack of dribbling. It's... It's his turning circle. It's yeah. how long he takes to get the ball under control. It's, yeah. it's not even that is is um, speed or or technical ability, but he puts people under pressure yeah. with awful decisions with Passes. every pass. Like, yeah, I, I mean he must have just been as a one v one defender. He was fantastic. He's definitely lost a yard. But if yeah. you think about how protected he's been in certain systems, um, Mourinho with the left back where he was just charged with just doing all of Hazard's defending. Conte, right, have a back three, I think is the only way he's going to be able to play at the top level anymore. But he's looking more and more exposed. And even Lampard, like we said, alluded to it. Um, we said privately, after the United game, I think it was really telling that Lampard fuming when he always let out a little a little secret or a little bit of info. He, he mentioned all the players who were in the medical room and the only one he added any context to was Reese James, who word for word is going to be a significant player for mm-hmm. us. Yeah. This season, how awkward a transition is that going to be to the squad? Because it, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's happening in the next two months. Like it's too obvious an issue. But how how big a call might that be for the dressing room? Is that something Aspilicueta is going to deal well with? If it doesn't happen, is that a major indictment of of Lampard's management? It's a big question. Mm. Go on, Dan. I'll let you go first. Yeah. So I feel like um, Lampard has to be careful because Reese James is injured now. Reese James could be injured again. So as bad as as has is being right now, Zappacosta looks like he's off to Roma. So I, even that when he kind of mentioned and it slipped that it was like saying, yeah, uh, Reese James will play a big part this season. You can't do that. You can't kind of lay your cards on the table like that because at this point, as is already like, he looks lost of confidence to kind of pile that pressure on him. I know he's like a seasoned professional. I know he's the captain, but... I don't think he needed that too because, again, he's going to come out, like we said on the last podcast, and try to prove himself 
Um, and he just always looks like he's caught in no man's land. Like you said, when he's making passes, like a lot of them, it's like Alonso-ish. A lot of them aren't connecting and he's just kind of throwing them. There's there's no positives. I watched the game and I was just watching out, okay, what have you done good? I couldn't find, like I found little to like no positives for Azpilicueta whatsoever. So I, I don't know. I, think... a few, a few, I mean, I saw a few like back post header clearances that he did well. But yeah. aside from that, Everything generally, was poor. so poor. Um, it, it's the 1v1. So 1v1 defending, yeah? He was a specialist. So even in any, for me, in any manner. So I remember in the first couple, in the first couple of months, under Jose Mourinho in, well, he was on left back, bro. He was playing left back. Mm. But in any form of defending 1v1, he was comfortable. He was comfortable, but ever since we've transitioned away from the four to, um, from the three five two, or the or the four the three the three four three, he's he's just it sounds like he's forgotten how to play right back. I remember Aspilicueta at Marseille. He used to be up and down yeah. at Marseille, um, very strong one v one defensively, but also used to get up and down. Used to be decent going forward. Um, so his offensive. Prowess, whilst being at Chelsea, has declined dramatically. And obviously that's due to experience. Um, he played most of his um, time at Chelsea at left-back. And then he moved to right centre-back. And now he's at right-back, like properly. I think he only played right-back once, one season under um, Rafa Benitez. Um, and he was okay. I mean, he was decent. Um, but he made his name at left-back. Um, then converted into right centre-back. And I think, like you said... The only way you can really play at this level, cut it, cut it at this level, is that right centre back again, with that protection around protection, him. Protection exactly, because he'll be in a protected system, and he just won't be damaging himself. Because he played right now against so United, an error, an error strewn United minutes at Old Trafford, a pretty poor, not poor maybe, but noticeably shaky ninety minutes. At, sorry, one hundred and twenty minutes in Istanbul at Besiktas yeah. Stadium. Is there? Any chance whatsoever of a Tomori right-back appearance? Rudiger. Right-back appearance Rudiger. for Rudiger. Anything at all on Sunday against Leicester? Or do you uh, think it's something that Lampard's going to try and manage a little bit more carefully after the David Luiz situation? Yeah. Uh, I and just wait for Rich Jim? I don't think he's going to be in a rush to do this. Um, because, again, this is the captain. He's already pammed out David Luiz. I don't think he's going to want to do this kind of thing too soon. Because um, I know from his experience from as a player, the last thing he wants is to isolate an experienced player. And Aspi is probably the most experienced player in our team. Because um, even from his playing days, AVB tried to do it to him, and he was livid. So it'd be weird for him to actually want to do that and after going for it himself. So I'd like to think that he's a little bit smarter than that and um, does it gradually. Um, gives Reese an opportunity to break in, and then obviously if Reese James performs well, then that's it. As you, you know, you could see that he's done well. Like you can't, you know, what I mean, you can't, you can't complain. Um, Speaking of selection for Sunday, Dan, um, mm. we get to Sunday afternoon. We get to the ninety-fifth minute. The whistle goes. Mitchy Batshuayi hasn't touched the pitch. Mm. What are we meant to assume? Is his his basically place in the squad is his future, and what are we meant to assume the reasoning is that he's not getting a look in whatsoever? Okay, so it's the fifteenth of August now. The window, the transfer window, actually shuts like globally, um, or whatever in Europe, the end of August, right? So if I'm Batshuayi and I've seen, I've got the least minutes played in preseason so far out of all the strikers, he played. Um, significantly the least up front and significantly least in general. Um, at the same time, he still hit the same numbers and actually got one more assist than the rest of them. But also, the first two games of the season, they saw he saw Ta- uh, Tammy Abraham start and then Giroud come on. And then he also s- saw the next game, Giroud start and Tammy Abraham come on. He also saw uh, who got subbed off for Tamori. Was it Christensen? So when, when Lampard had a sub like and we needed to score a goal, 
he didn't reach to try to bring and this is dynamic Lampard that wants to change formations. He didn't Barkley, he brought on Barkley. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, but so yeah, he didn't bring him on. So at this point, if I'm Mishi Bashuai and I've suffered like a whole season at Chelsea on the bench um with a manager that just it doesn't matter what you, it seems like it doesn't matter what you do, you're not getting on. I would feel like at this age, I don't want to risk it again. However, I did see a news story saying that uh, Roma are interested or some clubs are interested, but he wants to stay and fight, which is all good. But um, I feel like already it seems like Lampard's kind of made his mind up and it's not there's not much he can do. However, we know how things can change during the season. Injuries can come. Um, some people can have really poor form, but at this point, it's not looking good at all. Means between the coaching staff, between Edwards, Morris, Lampard, I know. Again, I'm, I'm with the the Bats fans, but what could you think the reasoning behind it is for him to have no real input in the game? He he is he is an accomplished finisher. We are struggling in that department. We're not going to get into it too much because of time, but I do think Tammy offers a lot of intrinsic value and a lot of a lot of team based stuff, but. He seems struggling with occasion at this stage of his career. Um, Giroud, I, I do think, is our is our best all-round forward. And I think he really assists in bringing other people into the game. But it, when games are stretched, his pace does catch up to him. But Shuaii, for me, does seem like a little bit middle of both, best of both worlds. Why is it that he is not being trusted whatsoever so far? This could all change on Sunday at Leicester, but something tells me it's not going to. Um... It's a strange question, um, only because we don't really know what they get up to in training. So I personally, I don't see Michi how he trains. I don't see how he trains. I don't see um, his effort levels. I don't see what they, they clearly do. But when it comes to experience and situations that arise as in-game and their numbers in-game, and what they do on the pitch in real actual matches, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't play. Um, I do understand in terms of work ethic, and um, I think Tammy Abraham is a worker. He works hard. But, sorry, at the top level in Premier League football, working hard ain't enough. Especially as a striker, you need to have quality, you need to have goal-scoring instincts, and you need to be able to be confident enough to put away chances. Richie has those. So when it comes to selecting your best striker, and you're in a team which is not only devoid of goal-scoring prowess, um, but just goals in general, is a weird decision. And I find it, I don't want to say it's favouritism, because I do think that Lampard is quite an aware and I guess I won't say I don't know about reasonable, but I would say he's an aware man. Um, I just think that if Mitchie gets given an opportunity to to do what he can do, I think people realise very quickly that he should be playing. I think that you a think lot of it's people... an argument that his all round play hinders the team in that maybe. Yeah, he'll finish stuff, but we won't create half the chances if he's on the pitch, as opposed to someone like Giroud or Tammy forcing errors. But if you think about it, how how significant does Michi in, in in this current Lampard system and this current Lampard um, way of playing? How often does um, when Tammy does play, does he actually really get involved? I genuinely don't think in building. Personally, I do think he has his moments where he does he really moments. help play along. And it's just the little things like um, just running every channel. That boy will do what you're telling him to do. That pressure that forces long balls, which can get intercepted. Maybe, maybe it's a case of just, yeah, but sure he's not doing so that. I, I, so in that regard, whilst I, I appreciate that Tammy does that, and I see that he does that, but I don't think that Michi wouldn't make those runs. Yeah. Not, to say, not to say they would do it to the same level, um, because he's a better player. I don't think that your best players really should be charging about the pitch like Tammy does. I, I, I just genuinely don't. Can I say something uh, quickly? A lot of it, a lot of the time, when you're doing that, you're doing that because 
a lot of your other stuff is lacking. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. And like, it's just weird. It's a weird situation. And like Dan says, Mitchie should be looking at this and thinking, you know, oh, fuck this. I've tried. Mm. I've... And come January, because I, I think he does want to stick around and see how it goes until January. If this situation doesn't improve, he needs to ask for a permanent transfer and yeah. keep a slide. Yeah, well, maybe that's something that could be managed because there are these little murmurs that the club, for some reason, think um, the ban might be lifted by then. But that's something we may see evolve over the next few weeks. Dan, you just wanted to say a last little word on Mitchie. Yeah, so, number one, it's, I've always find it weird when people watch matches, um, especially pre-seasons, for instance, they'll always comment on Mitchie's all-round game saying, I'm surprised. I didn't know that he would run those channels. I didn't know that he could do this link-up. But then... At the end of the game, they they suddenly get amnesia and they're like, oh, he doesn't offer anything. I don't... From pre-season... I think he had his moments in pre-season. My argument would be he offers less. Okay. Not necessarily Okay, but, but also what I'd say is uh, Aubameyang offers less than Lacazette in terms of all-round game. But you don't see Arsenal thinking, okay, let's drop Aubameyang for Lacazette. Like, it, it's just dumb. It's just it's just so dumb. And for a team that, that lack goals, I just don't... I don't, I don't understand the business case, um, or not the business case. I just don't understand it. Uh, it just pisses me off, really. <laughs> well, well, that's one way to finish the bat chat. So we'll see Sunday if anything does change. It is something that you know we have three strikers. This is the third game. Maybe he does enter the rotation, and um, I don't want to be anywhere near Meads if he does score a goal. To be fair, but <laughs> um, last few comments as we're wrapping up a bit earlier than usual. Um, tighter timelines moving forward. Two, two performances in perspective, a uh, bit of a wider lens. I know we were, we don't have Palumi laughing at Joe for suggesting we might finish <laughs> for this week, but where are we now? We've seen a bit of flexibility. I think what I was most, um, what I found most promising last night was that there was a lot of resilience to going down. The Mane goal could have just been the contest over, but it wasn't. There was a lot of quick play through midfield. It was pretty incisive. Um, the players look to be enjoying themselves. Um, and then there's that flexibility from Lampard, who I didn't think would be as humble. What are you two's main takeaways? Are they more positive? Are you still just really not optimistic about this season? Where does last night leave you in the grand scheme of things? Um, so for me, it makes me do. It makes me think and believe that we have a squad capable of... At least finishing fifth. Um, you wanted to say top four and you stopped not, yourself. I'm not like. saying top four, no, because I, I still don't believe we'll do it. And that's again because I don't think that Lampard will address our attack. Um, and I think the attack will be the difference between getting top four or not. Um, I do think that we've got the capacity to play well. Um, I, I also believe that it's what's giving me confidence is that the approach play, I think, is very, very good. And I think once we saw our attack, we could be a very decent team, a very strong team. Because um, I think that like, we ran Liverpool very, very close. Obviously, we ran them as close as we possibly could. And they had their full their full attack. Yeah, by the time they brought Wijnaldum on and uh, Firmino, yeah. second half, 75 minutes of the 120 was full yeah. strength Liverpool. Exactly. So I think we, we handled them well. Um, midfield, I think we won the midfield battle quite comfortably. Um it's just moments of quality that they have that, and um, at this moment in time, in our attack, we just lack it. Um, I'm confident, but I still think we'll fall short in terms of top four. I don't think it'll be an absolute disaster of a season because it, I, I do think that Lampard will have the humility um, to change if things go terribly wrong, which is good. It's a good sign. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's going to be a decent season, um, decent in the sense that we're going to have a structure in place for next season and hopefully our striking and attacking situation could be addressed. So, yeah. It's Dan, is that something you echo or are you thinking maybe uh, our teams have looked at that old Trafford performance and the Bournemouths and the Everton's and people like that are going to be licking their lips and we're going to drop a lot of points? Um, it's, it's so difficult to predict just because Lampard's an unknown quantity. We saw, like, he played the 4-3-3. That kind of shocked everyone. One thing I was kind of... Um, I was, I was, you know, heartened by it was the fact that, okay, I thought every single department of our team was in disarray as in, or was a new project. Cause obviously with defense, we lost David Luiz and Aspilicueta is on his way out. 
And in midfield, we was changing the structure of the midfield from playing a three and of Kovacic, Jorginho and Kante to something else. And then obviously our strike force is shit or our attack is shit. But um, the fact that he reinstated that midfield, at least one part of the good part of our team has been put back together. My whole thing is when Loftus-Cheek comes back, and this is the reason why I said the winner on that Twitter tweet or whatever, is because I feel like that midfield is fit for purpose in terms of winning the ball back, um, progressing um, play and all of that type of shit is good at. And I think that the reason why everyone's excited about Loftus is what he offers in attack. So for me, I feel like we can do real damage with Hudson and Loftus being free to kind of just let loose in attack with a striker. Um, if we keep that midfield, I think we can do bits, man. But yeah, yeah, I think but, I think it'll be really interesting to yeah. see how people do get reintegrated after injury. Because yeah, we are forgetting that Reese James too. Reese James probably for me our most ready-made players at the moment. Hudson Adoy, obviously a huge talent. I don't know if that leaked photo on on Twitter of him leaving Cobham in a suit is what we we hope it is. Ruben Loftus Cheek. There's whispers he could be back a little bit earlier than. Um, then slap bang at the end of the year. Willian, experienced player, good for transitional game. Rudiger could be more sure-footed than uh, Zuma. And and yeah, who knows, Batshuayi could crack the rotation. So there is a lot of change yet to do. Um, and yeah, it's an interesting season. I, I don't know which way it will absolutely go. But, but yeah, interesting two games couldn't be further from each other. So mm. it leaves us with more questions than answers, really. But yeah, that's all we got time for this week. Thanks very much, boys. Um... Leicester Sunday, I think 5pm kickoff. Hopefully, we get a few more of an idea, a bit more of an idea about how we're going to look for the rest of the season now that we're against a, a team at home in the Premier League, potentially more winnable than the last two. Um, and so, yeah, see you next week. Chessy Hour, Touchland Fracas, and we're out. Peace, take it easy. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto Friendly Crunchy Bars. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Delicious and convenient, both their toasted almond and lemon almond flavors have two grams of net carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein, all in a satisfying crunch. Interested? Ratio Keto Friendly Bars are now available in the granola bar aisle at Walmart. Sports Social Podcast Network.